0: One, two, three, this is Radio Free Mormon, on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, The Boy Who Kicked Conspiracy Theories. Well, it has been a very interesting few weeks here at Radio Free Mormon and also at Mormonism Live. Now, the boy who kicked conspiracy theories is the title of tonight's show, and the boy doing the kicking is me, RFM, and also Bill Real. And the conspiracy theory that we have been kicking over and over again for the last few weeks is the conspiracy theory that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. I remember a few weeks ago on Mormonism Live when we did the first episode of on this subject, all we did was present the contemporary evidence that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. And after we researched the issue and made that presentation, it seemed that we had a pretty good case from the available evidence that Joseph Smith did, in fact, practice polygamy. It is a position that all certified and peer-reviewed historians, both inside the church and outside the church, agree with. But there is a small subset, although perhaps even a growing subset, of Mormons within the church, and some of them outside the church, church, who are nevertheless maintaining the minority position, and indeed what I would consider to be the conspiracy theorist position, that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy, that all the evidence that appears to show that he practiced polygamy is really not evidence at all. These are all the machinations of Brigham Young and ill-designing people who wanted to paint Joseph Smith with this polygamy brush in order to either support their own practice of polygamy or just to defame Joseph Smith. There were a lot of comments that were made to that episode, and then sometime after that episode aired, one of the most prominent polygamy deniers, Michelle Stone, posted a response video of about two and a half hours in which she attempted to respond to the evidence that we set forth. That ended up in my issuing a podcast one week ago explaining why it was that I felt that Ms. Stone's response to our evidence was not persuasive to me personally. Well, that led to a six-minute video by Michelle Stone later that same evening of last Sunday in which instead of addressing the evidence I brought forward and addressing the reasons that I did not find her arguments persuasive, she engaged in a six-minute emotional podcast which was largely based upon ad hominems that I was dishonest in my response to her, that I had misquoted her, that I had intentionally or unintentionally misunderstood her arguments. I took that six-minute video from Ms. Stone and posted it on my own Facebook page so that people who follow me there could listen to what she had to say and weigh that in the balance. Now, behind the scenes, Bill Reel has been working with Ms. Stone and communicating with her and two other prominent polygamy deniers in order to see if they will come onto the show of Mormonism Live and talk about their theories and we can talk about why it is that we do not think that their theories hold water. But as of yet, as of yet, they do not want to be seen in a forum where it is live and they have to speak to people who do not agree with them and be held to account for the logic or illogic of their own position. Instead, right now, what they want to do is have a behind the scenes back and forth in writing. But what we want to do is simply meet in a public forum on Mormonism Live and have a discussion about the issues. This is something that they do not seem to want to do, at least not as of now. I hope they will change their mind and come on the show because right now it's starting to look like they do not have the courage of their own convictions. They are not confident that their position will win the day and therefore they are hemming and hawing and refusing to come on the show to answer for their positions. At this point, I have to break in for an announcement. I recorded this entire podcast yesterday, which was Saturday July 1st, 2023. I had spoken with Bill Reel that very morning before I began recording the podcast, and what I reported here in this podcast was the state of things when I spoke with Bill Reel on the morning of Saturday, July 1st, 2023. I then proceeded to record the podcast. I then proceeded to edit the podcast. I broke off editing at around 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon for lunch, came back around 3.30, finished the editing, finished the production, and finally got the podcast up sometime around 5 or 6 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, yesterday. But then, last night, I discovered that the state of negotiations between Bill Reel and Ms. Stone and the others had changed. And all of a sudden now, they had changed their tune, and they were willing to come on the show. So, what I want to make sure is clear is that what I was reporting here And what I will say also a couple of times throughout the rest of the episode, because I will return to this theme, is correct as of the morning of July 1st, 2023, but I want to make it very clear to everyone that that does seem to have changed without my knowledge and I want to make sure the record is clear, that now it does sound like Ms. Stone and perhaps other polygamy deniers are willing to come on Mormonism Live or perhaps Mormon Discussions, the details have not been ironed out at this point but they will be willing to come on a live format and answer questions about their position and face pushback on their evidence. So I wanted to make sure that this announcement was made here. I am recording this announcement on the morning of Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. When I found out last night that the information I was giving here was not up to date, I pulled the podcast down in order to regroup, find out what was going on with Bill, and then we agreed that my making this announcement would be sufficient to clarify the record and give you the most up-to-date information that we possibly can. With this announcement being placed into the podcast, I will once again put this podcast up for your listening pleasure. So that is the end of the announcement. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I think it's a lot of fun and I hope you will too. But as I say, there have been a number of different forums where this discussion has been going on back and forth and A lot of comments have been made, a lot of comments from the polygamy denier side, a lot of comments from the other side as well. And there are many, many intelligent people making comments and some not so intelligent, frankly. And of course, in my personal opinion, the not so intelligent ones generally tend to amass on the other side of the argument with the polygamy deniers. But I've gone through all the comments that have been made, and there are actually hundreds and hundreds of them that have accumulated in these different podcasts. I culled a number of those comments that I think are representative of both sides of the issue, and I wanted to share them with you here today. But before I do that, I want to tell you about something that Maven told me on the phone, which I think was a very, very interesting point that she made. Because as Ms. Stone has said, her number one reason for not believing that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy is that there are no children. She says there are no children, or at least no known children, and this is correct, from any of Joseph Smith's polygamous or alleged polygamous relationships. I had mentioned in my response that John C. Bennett, who everybody agrees, was engaged in spiritual wifery and having sex with a lot of different women also has no children from any of those relationships. And so it would seem that if having children is the absolute evidence that has to be had before it can be demonstrated or believed that some individual practice plural marriage, where are John C. Bennett's children from his extramarital affairs? Well, I don't think there are any. And so that is why hinging your position on whether there were children from alleged polygamous relationships does not amount to a whole lot. If there's an individual like John C. Bennett, who everybody agrees had these relationships and had no children, how is it that Joseph Smith having no children means that he was not practicing extramarital relationships in the form of plural marriage? But the point that Maven brought up was really, really interesting, and she likened it to contemporary instances of individuals who are actually convicted of sexual crimes, whether it's Bill Cosby or whether it's Jeffrey Epstein. These men were convicted of having sexual relationships with other women, and at no time... Maven observes, at no time do we hear people saying, Well, you have to show us the children they had from these sexual relationships. Otherwise, we're not going to believe that they actually engaged in these sexual relationships. Nobody says that. And the reason they don't say that is because it makes no sense. Yes, we can find people guilty in a court of law beyond a reasonable doubt of having sexual relationships with women and children. And in the vast majority of those cases, there are no children that proceed from that sexual union. No children at all. And nobody says, unless you show me a child from this relationship, I'm not gonna believe that this relationship actually occurred. So I thought that was an excellent point for Maven. I wanted to throw it out here for public consumption because I think she makes a very good point. I would also note that Ms. Stone's six-minute response in which she engaged with absolutely zero evidence and was really quite emotional about the entire thing. I had to make the observation that her response is much more like a person whose religious beliefs Have been critiqued than a person whose historical position has been challenged. There are two completely different ways that a person would respond in a situation like this. If indeed her position is simply based upon history and an evaluation of the historical data, one would expect there to be a much more even handed, less emotional, evidence driven response. And yet, what we got was six minutes of emotion. And as I say, Ad hominem against me personally and generally when we see that kind of emotion and ad hominem it's because a person feels that their religious beliefs with which they identify are being challenged and I know how this is. I was a member of the church for a long time. I still am on the records, but I remember back in my TBM days that I identified so much with being a Mormon and with Mormon beliefs about different things that if another person were to criticize a certain belief or tenet of Mormonism, I took it as a personal attack on myself. And that's because I identified myself so much with Mormonism that an attack on Mormonism was an attack on me. A critique of Mormonism was an attack on me. And this is what I see playing out with Michelle Stone's response to my podcast. And Miss Stone's reaction reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from Alf from the 1980 sitcom when he said, "Wow, point out one fatal flaw in a person's belief system, And they take it personally. Well, that's what I see happening here. Fatal flaws in Ms. Stone's belief system regarding Joseph Smith practicing polygamy have been pointed out. And she is indeed taking it personally. So let's go to some of those comments that have come in from different listeners from both sides of the aisle. Now you may remember that at the beginning of my last episode, which was two and a half hours, I'm not going to go two and a half hours today, I promise. I will not go two and a half hours today. But I had mentioned an earlier episode that I had done where I had brought up the subject of polygamy and then there was a back and forth in the comments section from an individual who denied that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. Well, I went back and I searched the records and I found this exact back and forth, which I want to start off with today by reading to you. It was in Radio Free Mormon, episode 169, titled, A Bad Defense is the Worst Offense, part one. It was a podcast I did with Jonathan Streeter, and we did talk about polygamy at length in that particular episode. Well, two individuals came out in the comments section, one named Pam and the other Andre, to take issue with the idea that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. And I responded as follows, Hi, Pam. I will address this response both to you and also to Andre, who expressed a similar point of view. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. I have encountered this line of thinking from others, including my good friend, Rock Waterman, the line of thinking that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy, obviously. I don't want to go into a lot of detail here, but let me just offer a few thoughts, similar thoughts to those I have mentioned to Rock Waterman. Contrary to your assertion, there is documentation that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy that does not date to after his death. The first and only issue of the Nauvoo Expositor is one example. So is the diary of William Clayton, which mentions Clayton acting as scribe while Joseph Smith dictated the revelation on plural marriage. The documents Jonathan Streeter and I talked about relating to Joseph's plural marriage to Sarah Ann Whitney can be added to the list. But those committed to the fringe theory that Joseph did not practice polygamy must weave an ever-enlarging and ever-more-complicated conspiracy to account for these historical documents, as well as the multitude of documents and affidavits that date after Joseph's death. I remain unconvinced that the theory of a vast conspiracy with Brigham Young at the head of the cabal was responsible for carrying out polygamy behind Joseph Smith's back. The idea that Brigham Young wanted to overthrow Joseph Smith, and some theorize he even orchestrated Joseph's murder, does not fit with the historical data indicating Brigham practically worshipped the ground Joseph walked on. At bottom, the theory posits that Joseph did not practice polygamy, but was so feckless and oblivious, he did not realize it was being practiced right under his nose by his closest associates in church leadership. Neither paint a flattering picture of Joseph. I mean, if Joseph were really a prophet, wouldn't God have told him about what this secret chamber was plotting behind his back? This is a thumbnail sketch of my thoughts on the subject. I am open to being persuaded otherwise, should convincing evidence be produced. But as things are at present, the evidence seems overwhelming that Joseph introduced polygamy and practiced it himself. A lot. I put a little smiley winky face after that. A lot. Consider this. The reorganized LDS church was built on the idea that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. That was the huge dividing point between the reorganized church and the LDS church. The reorganized church fought the evidence and fought the evidence until finally, in the 1980s I believe, even they had to finally capitulate and admit that yes, in the face of overwhelming evidence contradicting their foundational tenet, Joseph Smith did practice polygamy. And if the reorganized church had to finally admit it, then I must conclude they found the evidence overwhelming indeed. I certainly do not want to impose my beliefs on you, Pam or Andre. I would never dream of doing so. But to my mind, arguing that Joseph Smith didn't practice polygamy is along the same lines as arguing that the Apollo 11 moon landing was a fake. You have to ignore or explain away a mountain of evidence against your position while at the same time inflating and generally mischaracterizing and misusing the few tiny bits of evidence that support your position. Just my opinion though, take it for what it's worth. Thanks for listening, RFM. So that was my attempt to describe three years ago my position on the subject based upon the limited research I had done as of that point. Interestingly, Andre responded to my post on May 16th, 2020 by saying, RFM, no one has ever set foot on the moon. I couldn't believe it. I say that people who believe that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy are generally the kinds of people who think that the Apollo 11 moon landing was a fake. And here comes Andre, who believes that Joseph Smith didn't practice polygamy. And he's going to say, yes, he does believe the Apollo 11 moon landing was a fake. He goes on. No one has ever set foot on the moon. If you still believe that lie, you're more brainwashed than you were when you were in the cult. Brigham did not worship the ground Joseph Smith walked on. The way he treated his sons when they came in their mission to Utah proved that, as did his hatred for Emma and attempts on William Smith's life. None of which, of course, have anything to do with his feelings toward Joseph Smith, but to other people who were related to him. Seems like a bit of a non sequitur. But Andre continues. It's become more obvious you haven't done research on what you derisively deem fringe and conspiracy theories. I hope one day you'll look back on your stupid Apollo and Brigham apologetics like you do with your stupid apologetics from RFM Rides Again. 50 years ago, you would have been sitting here telling us Brigham didn't have Danite murderers and wasn't involved with Mountain Meadows Massacre. Sorry, but conspiracies and secret combinations are real and your ancestors were warned specifically for a reason. Wake up. So that's Andre's response to me on this comment thread at Radio Free Mormon three years ago. This is why I responded to Andre with this brief comment. Dear Andre... Are you actually saying you believe the Apollo 11 moon landing was a hoax? If so, I have no more questions. I rest my case. And Andre goes on and on in his response. And I'm not going to read his entire response because it is typical conspiracy theorist blather. But it begins with this remarkable sentence. Andre, in responding to me, says, you really believe that a bunch of former Nazis and Masons went to the moon in 1969 and 1970? And he goes on from there. So we can see the conspiracy mindset of Andre, who is just one person who believes that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. I'm not saying that all people who believe that are as conspiracy theorist oriented As Andre. And yet, as we'll see, even in this latest spate of comments in the past month on these different podcasts, there's at least one other individual who comes forward as definitely a believer in the Apollo 11 moon landing hoax conspiracy theory. So from our original show on Mormonism Live, which was broadcast on June 7th, 2023, remember it was actually on the anniversary of the publication of the one and only issue of the Nauvoo Expositor, which was June 7th, 1844, June 7th, 2023, Bill Reel and I were on the show with Lindsey Hansen Park and Brian Buchanan presenting our evidence. And Dan Vogel, who is no slouch in the matter when it comes to Mormon history, Commented, thank you so much for taking on this annoying internet claim. You all did very well. I learned some things. Lindsay is exactly right that polygamy was about power. So thank you very much, Dan, for that comment. I think that given your expertise, your training, your background, your study, your publications, that that carries a lot of weight. Very glad to have you as a listener to Mormonism Live. Another person named Mike. Now, this is technically Mike Ross, 6120, but I'm not going to go and mention all the different names of the people who are responding. I'll just give the first part of their name. Mike says, this is a bombshell. I had convinced myself Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. I'm just rocked right now. Well, this is what we had hoped to accomplish By bringing forward the evidence in one episode, the contemporary evidence that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy, is that those who have heard that theory and may have believed it, but are yet still rational and not completely sucked into the conspiracy theorist mindset, might realize, like Mike did, that the evidence is solidly against that particular conspiracy theory. And he apparently is open to changing his mind. He says he's just rocked right now. I don't know what happened with him after that. Hopefully he'll continue looking at the evidence and basing his conclusions on the evidence together with logical and rational thinking. Randy says... The guys addressed this subject because of the recent phenomenon of Utah Mormons advocating the view that Joseph Smith had nothing to do with polygamy and that it was instead practiced by some of the apostles in violation of Joseph's teachings. You see, Randy's making this comment because a number of people were saying, why are you even having a podcast about this? Nobody believes this. Everybody knows that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. In fact, the church has even admitted that on its own website in a church essay that came out a number of years ago. There were people who wondering why we were talking about it. They were unaware of the fact that there is a substantial and growing number of Mormons who believe exactly that. So Randy's explaining why it was that we were covering it. He goes on, some of the proponents i.e. of Joseph Smith not practicing polygamy, also assert that some of those sinful apostles conspired to have Joseph killed, that Brigham Young concocted the revelation, 132, after Joseph's death, that everybody in Nauvoo who said that Joseph was polygamy's originator were evil people who wanted to kill him, that William Clayton was in cahoots with those adulterous apostles and wrote those entries in his personal journal to frame Joseph, and that all of the Mormons who went west were pressured by Brigham to falsely state that they had been introduced to polygamy by Joseph Smith. Every one of those items is ridiculously wacky, but that is exactly what they believe. Their problem is that they worship Joseph Smith, so they reject all evidence which tarnishes their view of him as a demigod. I think that was a great summary of the conspiracy theorist position by Randy, and also in that last sentence, a great rationale for why it is that they seem to have difficulty dealing with the evidence that contradicts their position. Because what happens is when they are confronted with evidence that contradicts their position, they don't try and engage the evidence so much as they try and find a way to work around the evidence. And their way of working around the evidence is frequently coming up with extremely unlikely stories that almost certainly never happened and that are not supported by the historical record as a means of trying to wave away contradicting evidence without actually engaging it. Mona Lisa says, I am embarrassed to admit that that I bought into the Joseph Smith-fought polygamy story for years, which kept me believing in the church longer than I would have otherwise. This podcast episode is very needed and helpful for anyone who is also using that conspiracy theory to make themselves feel okay about the horrible truth of Joseph Smith's lies, deception, coercion, and manipulation. Amen to that, Mona Lisa. Now we come to another comment from the other side of the position. This is by a person with the name B.B. Barham. In responding to Maven, this person says, I did listen to the whole episode. I think Maven had said, did you even listen to the episode? And this person responds, I did listen to the whole episode. I find the contraception slash abortion point unconvincing, i.e. why it is that Joseph Smith has no children from polygamous relationships, at least so far as we know now. If you look into what they actually had access to, the methods were largely ineffectual or dangerous. There's a reason modern birth control was the springboard for the sexual revolution in the 60s. People did not have good methods of preventing pregnancy before that and when exactly do they address the fact that none of the women or their families write about the marriages until decades later or the legitimacy issues with the William Clayton journals now in response to that an individual named team Poseidon responded to that particular comment and said well simply stating I find the contraception abortion point unconvincing does nothing but tell us about your state of mind John C. Bennett was actually somewhat famous for being a physician with a specialty in gynecology. Willard Richards was basically a pharmacist. Both were close to Joseph Smith during the relevant time period, the first part of the 1840s. While I wouldn't dismiss the issues you raise out of hand, I think you exaggerate the relative strengths of the arguments on your side versus the evidence presented for the other side. Here are some questions I've asked to several people in your camp on the Joseph Smith and polygamy origination issue. So far, nobody has answered. And I've seen that Team Poseidon has posted this in different places in these different podcasts. And indeed, I don't see anybody trying to respond to it. Because what he's doing is he's looking... At the two wives, you've got Joseph Smith and Hiram Smith, who are thick as thieves. They're tied at the hip, and both of them are allegedly practicing plural marriage. The historical record supports it. But of course, Emma does not go west with the saints. She does not follow Brigham Young. She stays behind, and she then is part of a church church the reorganized church that teaches that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. And this is used by the polygamy deniers as evidence that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. Of course, they use that as evidence. But what team Poseidon does is he says, okay, there's Emma over there who stays behind. But what do we do with Hiram's wife who did not stay behind, but went west with the saints? Here's what he says. So far, nobody has answered. Maybe you will. Number one, Doesn't it seem odd that Hiram Smith's family, Hiram arguably being the person closest to Joseph Smith and his constant advisor and confidant, doesn't it seem odd that Hiram Smith's family followed Brigham Young and the polygamists with Hiram's direct descendants being prominent in church leadership, including two prophets slash presidents, that would be Joseph F. Smith and Joseph Fielding Smith, both of whom come through Hiram Smith's line. So two prophets. Several patriarchs, in fact, all the patriarchs were through Hiram Smith's line, that's why they all had the last name Smith. The patriarchal priesthood and the patriarchal office was a lineal office before it was discontinued by the LDS Church back in the 1970s. So several patriarchs and even the current acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve, that's Elder Ballard, who also comes through that same line. Number two, isn't it odd that the key leaders of the Brigham Young faction literally all were placed into their positions of power and authority by Joseph Smith, and sustained in such positions by him right to the end. And number three, wasn't Joseph Smith's hasty and violent reaction to the Nauvoo Expositor's first edition, which purported to expose Joseph Smith's secret teachings on polygamy, wasn't his response to that more consistent with the actions of a guilty man than of an innocent, aggrieved prophet who would have had his own platforms for clearing his name if his name could be cleared. So there in number three, of course, what Team Poseidon is saying, why did Joseph Smith react to the publication of the Nauvoo Expositor by having it declared a nuisance, using his position as mayor to do so, and then having the press destroyed? That does indeed sound more like what a guilty person would do rather than what an innocent person would do. That's a good point. Those are all three very good points from Team Poseidon. The next comment is again by Team Poseidon, who weighs in on the issue about the no children that Joseph Smith has from any of his alleged polygamous relationships. And he cast out upon that conclusion. And this is a very important point that team Poseidon makes because really all this boils down to is that there is one alleged plural wife of Joseph Smith. And I believe her name was Sylvia Sessions who had her daughter named Josephine Sessions, Josephine, whom she allegedly named after Joseph because she, the mother Sylvia told her daughter, Josephine, that Joseph Smith was her father. Well, DNA testing was done in order to test that claim and that testing ended up proving negative that actually Josephine Sessions was not descended from Joseph Smith and therefore that particular claim was put to rest. But to my understanding, there has not been exhaustive testing of all the people who were alleged plural wives of Joseph Smith and their descendants. It was simply this one which presented itself as a natural subject because of the claim by Sylvia Sessions that her daughter Josephine was fathered by Joseph Smith. Here's what Team Poseidon says. It appears to me that you're attaching an inordinate amount of weight to the no children line of argument. For one thing, it has not been established conclusively, not even by Ugo who was the individual who was doing the DNA testing, not even by Ugo Perego and the now defunct Sorensen Molecular Genealogy Foundation, which was the foundation through which this testing was being done. All right. So he says, for one thing, it has not been established conclusively that there were no offspring from Joseph Smith's plural marriage activities, notwithstanding the press conference announcement by Ugo and the SMGF the Sorenson Molecular Genealogy Foundation, suggesting the contrary. He goes on, You mention Emma constantly being pregnant, but don't mention that the majority of her children didn't live beyond infancy, which may be another clue as to what could have been happening to many of Joseph Smith's offspring with other women, assuming that there were any while still taking into account the other possibilities. You raise some questions that are worth exploring further, but the questions themselves are not strong evidence either way, and they do not really seem to counter the weight of evidence that was discussed in detail in this podcast. Once again, we're still in the comments having to do with our original podcast setting forth the evidence, the contemporary evidence, that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. So that concludes Team Poseidon's comment there. Boys are us. Now responds, I'm with you on this entire presentation and explanation and research, but during the call-ins, when the question is asked whether there are any children, I don't think you can 100% dismiss the question. Every woman who was married who may have gotten pregnant would have to all have had abortions if they became pregnant. I do think that the reasonable explanation RFM stated could be that with 33-plus wives, then timing their cycles and ovulation to when they had sex makes perfect sense to me. This is an answer I can agree with as to why there weren't any other children to Joseph Smith. Joshua says this was so important. A lot of people are moving to the side that Brigham Young rewrote the history and Joseph was a true prophet, though fallen. I feel like this is a soft landing for people deconstructing but can't let go. I was there for sure at one point and I know that I have family members that are there right now. The tipping point to breaking free is realizing Joseph practiced polygamy in the worst way then the Book of Abraham, then the Book of Mormon. Team Poseidon weighs in again. Yes, and as pointed out numerous times in this podcast, for Brigham Young to have rewritten the history, he would have needed the cooperation of numerous people at a time when Joseph Smith was still living, as well as requiring the full cooperation of many people who gave their accounts in later years while being actually opposed to and not under Brigham Young's leadership. It's an untenable cope for people who still want to believe that the Book of Mormon is true because they once had special feelings about it or something. Now, this is an important point, and once again, Team Poseidon recognizes, I recognize, Bill recognizes, that there were steps taken and instances, indeed, where Brigham Young later on rewrote the church history, and generally that was done in order to cement his claims and the claims of the Twelve Apostles to leadership in the church, which they had by this point in time taken over. There is no indication of which I'm aware at present of Brigham Young rewriting the history in order to substantiate doctrinal claims, but rather it's about about power and leadership and the claims to power and leadership of the Twelve and of Brigham Young himself to lead the church. Indeed, if Brigham Young were engaged in a practice of rewriting the church history in order to support doctrinal ideas that he had later on, I would think that he would have rewritten the history to insert the Adam-God theory into the mouth of Joseph Smith. Now, why I say that is because we know that later on in Utah, Brigham Young, starting in 1852, starts enunciating the Adam-God theory, which he will continue to enunciate and talk about over and over again until his death 25 years later in 1877, and he takes the remarkable step of introducing the Adam-God theory into the lecture at the Veil vale in the St. George Temple, which was the only temple that was in operation, at that time. We know from his writings that Brigham Young attributed the doctrine of Adam God to Joseph Smith. He said he learned it from Joseph Smith. So under those circumstances, it would have made a great deal of sense for Brigham Young, if he's going to be manipulating the church history to support his doctrinal innovations, to have put that into the church history and have Joseph Smith teaching Adam God. But he never does that. There is nothing in the church history where Joseph Smith can be seen as teaching the Adam-God theory. So all I'm saying is that we have a case where Brigham Young definitely would have had the motive, the reason, and the wherewithal to rewrite church history to support his Adam-God theory, and yet he doesn't do that. And because we have that example, I think it's similarly unlikely to expect that Brigham Young would have rewritten church history in order to support his views on polygamy seeking light and truth who appears to be coming from the other side has two quotes that they want to give in their comment one is from joseph smith i had not been married scarcely five minutes and made one proclamation of the gospel before it was reported that i had seven wives i am innocent of all these charges what a thing it is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when i can only find one I am the same man and as innocent as I was 14 years ago, and I can prove them all perjurers. And that's from Joseph Smith, History of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Volume 6, pages 410 and 411. Now, I'm sure that Joseph Smith was speaking hyperbolically here. He was speaking with an exaggerated sense of things in order to try and drive home a point but if we're to take him at face value, he's actually admitting here that accusations against the church of polygamy go back even before the 1835 original edition of of the Doctrine and Covenants, which has section 101 in it, which denies these allegations of polygamy. He's backdating those allegations five years beyond that to 1830, to the inception of the church itself, and saying that Joseph Smith himself has been accused of polygamy for 14 years. He's making the statement in 1844, so all the way back to 1830. That is remarkable, if indeed we can take it at face value? Why is it that Joseph Smith would be accused of polygamy for 14 years? And what were the circumstances that were causing people to accuse him of polygamy for such a long period of time? That is an interesting question. And then this other quote from Israel A. Smith, who apparently was the president of the reorganized church and grandson of Joseph Smith, in a letter to Pamela Price dated September 17th, 1956. Now, I can't verify that this is correct. All I'm doing is reading the comment, but President Israel A. Smith is quoted here by Seeking Light and Truth as saying, Joseph Smith was the greatest victim of fraud and conspiracy of the last 500 years. Nothing like it in recorded history. He was simply lied about when something had to be done to justify Utah Mormon polygamy. And once again, that's from the grandson of Joseph and the president, I'm presuming, of the reorganized church. Now, the key here is the date, 1956. Remember that this is the same church who held this position and yet reversed their position in the 1980s when the evidence became overwhelming and they had to admit, historically speaking, that yes, Joseph Smith did practice polygamy. So the fact that Israel A. Smith is writing this in 1956, who is president of the same reorganized church, which is going to reverse course in the 1980s, does say something. I'm not sure it says what Seeking Light and Truth wants it to say, but it does say something indeed. I. Carumba says this Given this video's attention to evidence and detail, I assumed this post was facetious. Then I saw your name. Oh, he's responding to, he's responding directly to Seeking Light and Truth. Given this video's attention to evidence and detail, I assumed this post was facetious. Then I saw your name. Polygamy deniers tend to have grandiose names about the truth. So this makes me think this post is basically you clutching your teddy bear. Seeking Light and Truth responds, I believe Joseph Smith. You're free to believe what you want. But once again, this comes down to, we're going to believe Joseph Smith. We are going to privilege whatever Joseph Smith says and whatever he says is true when he's denying polygamy and anybody else, and there's a lot of them who say he was practicing polygamy, they're all liars. Joseph Smith is the only one telling the truth. Everybody else is lying about Joseph Smith. So we get an insight there into the thinking process of this commenter. Chris says, Joseph Smith polygamy deniers are akin to flat earthers. I was a missionary for the LDS Church when I first encountered other kinds of Mormons who, to my surprise to my great surprise believed in this conspiracy theory now as an exmo i realize that this practice of ignoring evidence to maintain a narrative to which they are emotionally committed is septic throughout all aspects of mormonism i must give partial credit to anyone who recognizes that dnc 132 cannot be a revelation From a loving God. I wholeheartedly agree with that belief. However, I can't see how a mainline LDS who believes this conspiracy theory can still have even a shred of faith in Joseph's successors. And this is one of the questions that we have about Ms. Stone. How is it that she can maintain this conspiracy theory, i.e., that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy, but that Brigham Young did, and subsequent prophets did, and even prophets today are saying that Joseph Smith did, and yet somehow, through all of this morass, Ms. Stone is able to say Joseph Smith was a prophet, President Nelson is a prophet, but a lot of prophets in between were not prophets. That's a hard sell to make, and it's very confusing to many people, including myself, as to how she can possibly, rationally, maintain that position. But then again, her position on Joseph Smith's polygamy also does not seem to a lot of people to be rational. So given the fact that she has an irrational position on Joseph Smith not practicing polygamy, perhaps it's too much to expect for her to have a rational opinion about whether President Nelson can still be a prophet of God today. Okay, so that's all the comments from our original video. Then Ms. Stone put up her two-and-a-half-hour video. It was called One Polygamy Denier's Response to Bill Real, RFM, and Brian Hales. It's from her podcast titled 132 Problems Revisiting Mormon Polygamy, which she put up on June nineteenth, two 2023. So here are some comments under that particular video. Ice Cream Lady Driver says, The more I learn, the more I feel that Brother Griffin got it right in his movie. Brother Griffin would be the person who did a movie suggesting that Joseph Smith's murder was an inside job and he was murdered by John Taylor. We did a Mormonism Live episode on that in which we came to the opposite conclusion, and yet this ice cream lady driver agrees with Brother Griffin on that point. She goes on, The murder of Joseph Smith was an inside job. The leaders have known this all along, but where does this leave us now? The Book of Mormon says something about us waking up to the awful situation we are in. I think we are in a very awful situation. Thank you for helping people to wake up and realize the truth. Now that thanks is of course to Miss Stone, not to me. Gary says, excellent work once again. And that comment is made to Miss Stone. Once again, these are comments under her response video. And he goes on, and for what it's worth, every time you say this has gone on too long already, the rest of us are saying, don't stop now. Oh, during her two and a half hour video, she was saying, oh, I've gone on so long, I don't wanna keep going on. But he's saying, no, keep going. Seriously, you could go on for six hours and we would still listen as long as you're showing sources and presenting sound arguments. Well done. Well, I wasn't aware of her showing a lot of sources or presenting any sound arguments in her two and a half hours, but apparently Gary disagrees with that. Okay. Pilates Ann says, I have prayed about polygamy and all its dogma for 25 years. When I first saw your video, the spirit said, here are your answers. Even though I know it's true, I am scared to teach this. Thank you so much for suffering to bring out the truth. So Pilates Anne brings in the spiritual aspect that the evidence is not so important to her as the witness Of the spirit. And it's certainly true that people who believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet, that he was a good man, that he was a cut above, that he was moral, he was loyal to his wife, he wouldn't be out there practicing polygamy behind her back or all the other things that history shows us, that can be very, very upsetting to people. And the idea that he did not practice polygamy can resolve that concern and that cognitive dissonance that's at play there. So when you pray about it and you get the feeling that what is being taught that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy makes you feel better, that is a resolution of the cognitive dissonance masquerading most likely as the Holy Ghost. And so for Pilates and it's a spiritual conviction. It doesn't have anything to do with the evidence and that's probably good because the evidence doesn't support that conviction. Lisa says there is so much evidence on both sides that the only way to know the answer is to be completely humble and sincerely pray about it. So Lisa has the same opinion as Pilates and you just got to pray about it. She goes on, Lord, help me to be open to the truth even if it goes against what I already believe is the answer. Well, I think we should all try and follow that precept of being open to the truth even if it goes against what we already believe is the answer. I'm not sure the Lord can help us much with that, but the evidence certainly can. Hold Russ says, RFM got so triggered by someone having an opinion he had to associate <laughs> he had to associate your ideas with the moon landing conspiracy nuts for 20 minutes well all i did was give an example and i actually read it earlier on in this podcast with andre that yes moon landing nuts can and do believe that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. They're both conspiracy theories and they both attract conspiracy theorists. And once again, I'll say, I'm not saying everybody who believes that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy also believes that the moon landing was a hoax. I'm just saying that there's an overlap there in that Venn diagram. And the overlap between the two connecting circles is pretty large. I Kurumba comes in to say, RFM proved beyond any reasonable doubt that the contents of DNC 132 existed in Joseph Smith's lifetime. Oh, I almost forgot. I did another episode that I forgot in the timeline. And the episode was that I just looked specifically at this issue of the three affidavits in the Nauvoo Expositor and how they reflect every single material aspect that is contained in section 132. So how is it that people who are leaving affidavits in a newspaper published June 7th 1844 during Joseph Smith's lifetime can so completely and accurately between the 3 of them Describe the contents of Section 132 if Section 132 was not, as the polygamy deniers claim, it was not written until years later by Brigham Young, and then he wrote it later and said Joseph Smith came up with it. How is it that people during Joseph Smith's lifetime could accurately describe all the material contents, all the salient aspects of Section 132 during Joseph Smith's lifetime, if indeed it wasn't written? during Joseph Smith's lifetime. That's what Icarum is talking about here. Once again, RFM proved beyond any reasonable doubt that the contents of DNC 132 existed in Joseph Smith's lifetime. I listened to this for over an hour and a half just to hear how you explained that. So he's talking to Miss Stone. I listened to your podcast, Miss Stone, for over an hour and a half just to hear how you explained that. Very disappointed in your lack of response here. Well, I was too because she didn't really talk about it at all. Miss Stone simply sort of waved her hand at it, but never dealt with the evidence. Laura says to Miss Stone, girl, you nailed it. You are my hero. End of the Fed says, I must say I am surprised. While I have not watched many of your videos to Ms. Stone, the ones I have watched were pleasant. I no longer believe in the church's truth claims, but can appreciate where there is common ground. I thought that the recognition of the harms of polygamy was one of those, i.e. common ground. But I am shocked at learning that you don't believe that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. No, I haven't watched the whole video yet, but I will get through it. It's a long video that it seems like you have taken a lot of time to prepare. I am perplexed at how one can still hold on to LDS truth claims in the modern day without accepting a grand apostasy if Joseph Smith and the following prophets weren't following divine command. The evidence of Joseph Smith and polygamy is overwhelming, and the LDS Church admits much of it. I mean no offense, but I am curious and hope to see how you come to your conclusions. So once again, somebody saying the evidence is overwhelming about Joseph Smith practicing polygamy and wondering how Miss Stone can still claim to believe that President Nelson is a prophet in light of her position on Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and polygamy. The chinny comes in and says, I was really excited to listen to this. Then my mood quickly changed. The arguments here are frankly just weak. It is, I suspect, about as good an argument as you can make considering the historical evidence and the facts. Once again, that comment directed to Miss Stone, and I agree. Her arguments are, frankly, just weak. The Daily Dump says, really appreciate the response video, Ms. Stone. I'm adding the Ms. Stone just because I want to make it really clear who these are directed toward. Really appreciate the response video, Ms. Stone. Struggled to get through the panel's discussion points. Made it about three-fourths of the way through and couldn't stand it anymore. I turned on YouTube Bigfoot stories instead because they are more rational and better document on this subject than those guys. So apparently the Daily Dump thinks that Bigfoot stories are better documented than the evidence that we put forward showing that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. The implication that the Daily Dump finds the existence of Bigfoot more likely than Joseph Smith practicing polygamy speaks for itself. Once again, we have this conspiracy theorist mindset at work, and every now and then popping up in the comments. Dan Vogel came in and made a comment on Ms. Stone's video. What he said was, first half hour of nothingness. Then you use the no children argument, including Josephine Lyons, which you missed the whole point of. Sylvia, i.e. Josephine's mother, Sylvia Sessions, Sylvia thought Josephine was Joseph Smith's daughter because she was having sex with both men, i.e. both Joseph Smith and her husband. This was a case of polyandry, where Joseph Smith had married Sylvia Sessions, even though Sylvia Sessions was married to somebody else. That's why Dan says, Sylvia thought Josephine was Joseph Smith's daughter because she was having sex with both men. That's the only reason for her mistake. Case closed. Lila Tuller comes in and says, I hate to tell you this, Ms. Stone, but Joseph was trying to hide what he was doing. That's why he never spoke of it. That's why Emma denied it. She was terribly embarrassed of what her husband did. you thinking is suspect anyway, because you were hailing the virtues of polygamy before, i.e. she had a position that polygamy was great and of God before. That's what Miss Stone said in her video. So Lila Tuller concludes, so why should we listen to you now? Jessica says, I'm so sorry you feel such a strong need to spend so much time and energy defending Joseph Smith. Once again, this is directed to Ms. Stone. It must be exhausting. I hope someday you can find some peace and let common sense prevail. Please keep in mind, crazy people rarely think they are crazy. People in cults do not think they are in a cult. Valentine says, amazing agreement between the two camps. Oh, this is when she's responding to Ms. Stone saying that she finds it suspicious that people like Brian Hales or Richard Bushman who are very pro LDS and very much believers in the LDS church, that they would come to the conclusion that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy, and that people such as myself and Bill Real, who are not apologists for the church, come to the same conclusion. Now, Ms. Stone finds that to be suspicious. She finds it evidence of another conspiracy that's going on between all of us. But what this commenter named Valentine says is amazing agreement between the two camps. Not so amazing, just logical consensus. You see, to Ms. Stone, it's suspicious that we come to the same conclusion, whereas an objective person would be more likely to say, if people are coming at it from two completely different positions and they come to the same conclusion, then it's actually more likely that the conclusion is correct. Okay, so now we go on to my rebuttal to Ms. Stone's response. This was from last Sunday, June 25th, 2023. I titled it, No Ma'am, That's Not History. And yes, that was the title of a pamphlet response by Hugh Nibley to Fawn Brody's book, No Man Knows My History. And the reason I took that title was because, first off, it was so on point because Ms. Stone's attempted history is not history at all. And the other thing that made it funny was that even though It's the same title that Hugh Nibley, an apologist for the church, used against Fawn Brody, who was anything but. She was out there trying to get out the real history on Joseph Smith in this book she wrote back in 1945. The fact is that Fawn Brody herself was one of the main players in bringing to light the fact that yes, Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. So using the same title from Hugh Nibley's book Against Vaughn Brody was an irony too delicious for me to resist. And in response to my video there where I Set forth why it was that I found Ms. Stone's responses to our evidence to be unpersuasive. And I played a number of clips of her explaining what it was that she was saying and her position. Here are some responses to that video. Howie says, RFM, how you listened to Ms. Stone's podcast three times is beyond me. It's that type of arduous research that keeps me a subscriber. Well, thank you very much, Howie. I appreciate that. And yes, I did listen to Ms. Stone's podcast three times, and I wanted to do that even though it wasn't an easy task. It was two and a half hours. You'd make that three times. It's going to be seven and a half hours by my math. It wasn't easy, but I wanted to do it in order to try my best to understand the arguments she was making so I could respond to them as appropriately and as responsibly as I possibly could. Rebecca Bibliotheca says, I listened to it one and a half times. In other words, talking about Miss Stone's response, I listened to it one and a half times and still have a headache. And Edmund says, in response to Rebecca, who would have thought you were such a hater? I'm surprised to see this comment coming from you. So I don't know why it makes Rebecca into a hater just to say she listened to a two and a half hour podcast one and a half times and she still has a headache but apparently in the mind of Edmund Patak that makes her a hater this is one of those things that happens once again where you critique a certain position or say something that is not in line with what is supposed to be the accepted conspiracy theorist wisdom and immediately it's an attack it's an attack on them personally you become a hater and therefore you can be disregarded this is what happens in the conspiracy theorist mindset. You don't agree with me, that means you hate me, and because you hate me, that makes you a hater, and because you're a hater, that means I don't have to listen to anything you say. So this is how contrary evidence is typically dealt with among conspiracy theorists. Deeper Things says, I've only heard the excerpts RFM included here. Oh, the excerpts of Miss Stone explaining her position. I've only heard the excerpts RFM included here, and I feel like I've permanently lost a few IQ points. Thank you, RFM, for your sacrifice that spared the rest of us the painful firsthand experience. Well, you're welcome, Deeper Things. I do that twice a year when General Conference rolls around as well. Oh, here's Maven. Maven weighs in. And once again, these are comments made in response to my rebuttal to Miss Stone's podcast. She says, "I haven't been able to make it through the whole thing. RFM made fun of me for it. It's a lot of bias, projection, persecution complex." motivated reasoning, and thought-stopping techniques. Bill has invited her on to refute our points, but I will call this one like I did for Jacob Hansen. She is not capable of genuine dialogue. Well, you may be right on that, Amazing Maven, and she may not be capable of any dialogue whatsoever because it sounds like that is breaking down and that is not going to happen, not because we don't want it to happen, but apparently because she, Miss Stone, does not want it to happen. KSA Stamp says, I must say, this tit-for-tat with Michelle Stone is very entertaining. Well, I hope you're finding this entertaining as well, since the tit-for-tat continues. Both sides are taking themselves oh so seriously. Moi? Seriously? RFM, you do have a positive talent for lobbing firebombs into Mormonism. Thank you very much. You are like the dentist who starts a root canal without Novocaine you are really hitting a nerve with this issue. Yes, I am. And so is Bill Real, And that's why I want to continue hitting a nerve with this issue, because I think this is an important point in time where the polygamy deniers have been able to print their books, have their little podcasts, and not really be publicly challenged on them. And what Bill Real and I have fallen into is we are the guys who are publicly challenging them on it. We're showing how the evidence contradicts their theory, how their reasons are either irrational or unpersuasive or both. And it is frankly why I called this podcast, The Boy Who Kicked Conspiracy Theorists, because it's like The Boy Who Kicked Ant Hills are the boy who kicked hornet's nest. When you do that, all of a sudden, there's gonna be a whole lot of activity where it didn't seem like there was a lot of activity before. And that's what's happening in spades right now. And why it is, of course, that there are so many comments to be culled through and read for your entertainment. At least I hope it's entertaining for you. I know it is for me. Jubron comes on and corrects me. Just a small correction. Three American astronauts went to the moon, but only two landed on it. Neil Armstrong and Edwin Buzz Aldrin. Michael Collins, the command module pilot, remained in orbit. I said on my podcast that there were three men who landed on the moon. I was corrected by this individual and another, and my response to that was correction appreciated. So that's what a person does when they get corrected when they make a mistake in facts. They say correction appreciated. If this had been something where I'm on a conspiracy theory that no, all three people landed on the moon, then I would have had to come up with some kind of crazy kind of story to explain why I was right, that three people actually landed on the moon and not two. But no, I'm dealing in facts, I'm dealing in evidence. I'm hopefully trying to arrive at the truth of the matter. And so when I get corrected, I say correction appreciated. Okay. Ron Funk says active LDS get offended when I try to explain that as an attorney, I have lots of experience and training in evaluating evidence and witnesses and in identifying when a story is true or made up. Apparently all that does is make me arrogant. So when you have the experience of an attorney, believe me, Ron Funk, I know what you're talking about. When you have experience, which you've gained over decades in my case, of evaluating evidence and witnesses, which helps you identify when a story is true or made up, if it disagrees with the person that you're talking to, then all that does is make you arrogant. Your experience amounts to nothing, if the conclusion you reach is contrary to the conclusion of the person you're talking with. Nate says, at one point, it was talked about Bennett, John C. Bennett, having allegations that leave him as an unreliable source. So if I'm hearing correctly, allegations against Bennett should definitely be believed and allegations against Smith should not be Now, this is a good point that Nate brings up because, of course, everybody understands that John C. Bennett practiced spiritual wifery. That's why Joseph Smith excommunicated him. But what he's saying is any allegations of that sort against Bennett should definitely be believed, but similar allegations against Joseph Smith should not be believed. That's correct. That is the conspiracy theorist mindset. The allegations that support your position are believed. The allegations that contradict your position are dismissed out of hand. That is the methodology. Northern True says, whatever her specific, I think she's talking about Ms. Stone, whatever her specific, very personal reasons are, she is quite literally desperate to hang on to this notion. You don't buy Joseph Smith impersonators and quid pro quo family Bible marriage entries unless they are the only things left in the bargain bin of the prophet shop. Now, that was a great comment. And of course, it's referring to Miss Stone hypothesizing that Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball brought in a Joseph Smith impersonator, which is referenced in the Martha Brotherton affidavit, which I talked about in my last podcast, and then Miss Stone's story, regarding the Lot family Bible, which he completely made up, which is that John Bernheisel, a subsequent husband of Melissa Lott, after she married Joseph Smith and Joseph Smith was killed, she marries John Bernheisel. And then Melissa Lott wants to get divorced from John Bernheisel to marry this other guy that she really likes. And John Bernheisel says to her, by the way, once again, this is just a complete theory. This has no basis in reality, no basis in the historical record. It comes completely out of Ms. Stone's head that John Bernheisel says to her, well, I tell you what, I'll give you the divorce and let you marry this guy you really like as long as you go back in your family Bible and enter into it all the suspicious stuff about you being married to Joseph Smith. So it's in that context and with that background that I want to once again read this comment from Northern Shrew because it's so good. Whatever her specific and very personal reasons are, she is quite literally desperate to hang on to this notion that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. You don't buy Joseph Smith impersonators, That's the Martha Bretherton affidavit. And quid pro quo family Bible marriage entries. That's the Melissa Lott Bible theory. Unless they are the only things left in the bargain bin of the profit shop. Sleepy Calico says, RFM, thank you so much. I had no context for why Ms. Stone imagined she needed to educate anyone that bias exists. She spent the first half hour of her two and a half hour podcast talking about bias. I sat through that prolonged torment, thinking she eventually would get around to a logical presentation of her counterarguments on the actual topic at hand, appreciating that a claim of bias signals a conspiracy theorist would have done wonders for my rising ire." I can appreciate that a claim of bias would be a successful strategy to calm down the cognitive dissonance that conspiracy theorists themselves must experience when people attempt to present facts to them. Lesson learned, and thank you again. I think it was a great kindness for you to invest the time to respond to her video, even when you knew facts would just glance off of her. Actually, I think your effort was heroic. Wow. Well, thank you very much, Sleepy Calico. I don't know if it was heroic, but it certainly was time consuming. And I will confess to being very, very frustrated with having to listen to her podcast three times in order to try and make as much sense as I possibly could out of the arguments she was trying to make. Lisa says, it's really interesting because the more I sincerely tried to understand and be open to polygamy, the more depressed I became about the matter. Depression is not a fruit of the Spirit. When I was finally led to watch Michelle's videos, the cloud of depression was lifted. Polygamy is not and never was of God. I'm so grateful to not be weighed down by the false doctrine of polygamy ever again. The truth shall set you free. So once again, we see how trying to quell one's cognitive dissonance on the subject of Joseph Smith practiced polygamy can be satisfied if one adopts the conspiracy theory that Joseph Smith never practiced polygamy. Toom says, listening to her podcast and reading the supporting responses, it seems believing Mormons mistake earnestness with accuracy. Yes, and they always have done so since its very inception. Believing Mormons mistake earnestness with accuracy. And that's true of believing Mormons. It's true of a lot of people beyond Mormonism. If someone says something earnestly enough, no matter how outlandish it is, there is always going to be a subset of the population that will believe it. Experience tells us that much. P.T. Barnum put it this way, there's a sucker born every minute. Proffer not? Another commenter says this. Thanks so much for this episode. You're welcome. I posted my sentiments on Michelle Stone's channel only for her to refer me to an earlier podcast of hers to prove her point. I decided that a subsequent response was not worth it, despite her baseless stance. Frustrating, to say the least. Yes, this is an old tactic as well, and apologists use it too, which is instead of just answering your question, you would think if you have a question, you can answer the question pretty simply. But no, the answer is not forthcoming. The answer is not to answer your question. It's to refer you to something else, some other book, some other podcast, so that you can understand what the answer is. While another podcast can certainly go into further detail regarding a certain answer, it is no substitute and no excuse for not answering the question directly yourself when asked. I agree with that. Mega John says, I have listened to a lot of arguments claiming that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. After all their evidence is presented, none of it definitively proves that Joseph did not teach and or practice polygamy. In the end their tautology always boils down to this. Now this is important and insightful. In the end their tautology always boils down to this. Number 1, no true prophet would commit polygamy. Number 2, Joseph Smith was a true prophet. Number three, therefore, Joseph Smith did not commit polygamy. If you cannot see the factual and logical flaws in this argument, I'm not going to explain them to you. You need to lay aside church history and study logic. In other words, I don't believe in the reductionist argument. The church has a long history of teaching one thing publicly and another thing privately. I don't believe in the motivation behind the reductionist argument. In short, you should not base your salvation on the righteousness of any man, but on the mercy and merits of Christ alone. These same people who condemn prophet worship in the church today and who present evidence going back to Brigham Young and going forward that the church has a practice of telling one story in public while practicing the exact opposite in private, carve out an exception for Joseph Smith. Excellent comment there, Mega John. Thank you for contributing that to the discussion. Mina Guta has this to say, Michelle is a kind, well-meaning woman, but she is so willfully and intentionally ignorant on this issue. If you have followed her for some time, you understand that she has been heavily traumatized by the polygamy doctrine. So I almost don't blame her, as denial seems like the only way she can process it. Prez says... Paper-thin argument. Oh, this is in response to me. Prez is a polygamy denier. Paper-thin argument, Radio Free Mormon. You literally admitted five minutes in that you weren't going to respond to everything she said. So I will have to assume you chose the easiest topics to respond to. Well, that is an assumption on your part. And you know what they say about the word assume. Okay, going on. Your data pool for the moon landing and polygamy denier Venn diagram is one person, even though we'll see before we're done that it's at least two people. You and others operate under the same conclusion first format that literally every person on earth also follows when they think for themselves, then try to find evidence to support their claims. So what I see the polygamy deniers is doing, presees me as doing. Try all you want to act like we are all idiots. No, I'm not trying to act like you're all idiots. I think that very intelligent people can believe conspiracy theories, but it doesn't mean that they're not conspiracy theories. There are also very intelligent people who believe in Mormonism, that believe that the earth is flat, that believe that the moon landing was a fake. It's not a question of intelligence. It's a question of how they process information and how they derive their own personal feelings of worth and specialness. But I don't want to go into a side discussion of why conspiracy theories attract adherence. Regardless, going on, try all you want to act like we are all idiots, But funny enough, we actually use our brains more than most members of the church who believe everything they're told without doing their own research. There is mountains of research to show that Joseph was not a polygamist, and this did not start in the 21st century. Don't forget that the church schismed almost the moment of Joseph's death into sects that asserted that Joseph never practiced polygamy. You are being intellectually dishonest and doing the same thing you accuse others of doing all the time duping your audience into thinking you're the one who's got the true gospel and nobody else understands the way you do. Your attorney background really shows the way you twist the evidence to fit your prosecution. I think everyone knows not to trust a lawyer." Wow. Okay, Prez. (laughs) I guess Prez isn't taking this personally at all. No, I'm not saying you're idiots. I'm not saying that I'm the only one who's right. I'm not saying that I'm the one that everybody has to listen to. All I'm doing is putting forth the evidence and saying why it is that it leads to the conclusion that it seems to lead to from my point of view. But once again, when you're dealing with people who believe things as a religious belief, Even that simple process can look like a personal attack. And Prez, who just wrote that comment, seems to be feeling that way as well. Okay, so that's all the comments then from my response. But then Ms. Stone put up her six-minute reaction video, which was later that same day that I had released my response. Last Sunday, June 25th, 2023, she got back from some hike or something, I think she said, and she wanted to respond to my video. And the title of her video there was, RFM said, What?! with four question marks. Blessed Light. Wow, that person who earlier commented that polygamy deniers tend to have grandiose internet names appears to be holding true. This one is called Blessed Light. Okay, so Blessed Light says, RFM put an attorney spin on them, and not even a very good one. Any of us who also work in the legal field recognized that in the first five minutes, his career change makes sense. So once again, going to insult me and my legal skills instead of dealing with the actual issues. Once again, very, very common for people who hold a belief in a religious manner to feel attacked when that position is critiqued and then lash out with the ad hominems. Way to go, blessed light. Rick Stewart says, keep your chin up. This must be to Miss Stone to her six minute video. Keep your chin up. If you can get Brian Hales and RFM upset on the same issue, you know you were onto something. Okay, so this is a great logical. <laughs> this is a great logical argument. If you can get Brian Hales and RFM upset, then you are right. Well, I don't know if Brian Hales is upset. I haven't talked to him about this. He hasn't talked to me about this. I know we hold the same position on this issue and different positions on a host of other issues. But on this issue, we have the same position. I'm not upset at all. I'm kind of amused and entertained by the whole thing. I don't know how Brian Hales feels. But even if I were upset, the very idea that Brian Hales and RFM getting upset means that you're right is a remarkable display of the absence of logic. Chris says... Hi, I have listened to both you and RFM's podcasts. I have to say that RFM makes better and more clear arguments. They are more logical and less biased than your opinions. I say opinions because when you say things like, I just don't believe her, and this is something that Ms. Stone would say throughout, oh, I don't believe that person when they said this. I don't believe this person when they said that. She tries to discount people who present evidence contradicting her position by saying, I don't believe that. Them. So once again, Chris is saying, I say opinions because when you say things like, I just don't believe her, that is an opinion. And interjecting that into the argument is not sticking to the facts like you say you are. I think RFM has put together a presentation that sticks more to the facts than your presentations. However, I am having fun watching this debate unfold! Exclamation point. Trey, T-R-E-S, says, Agreed. For me, if Joseph Smith wasn't a polygamist and conspirators won control of the church, then it can't be true. If Joseph was a polygamist and put so many women through hell just for his own gratification and taught other men how to be polygamous, then the church is also not true because God couldn't have wanted that. God and Jesus can be real without the Mormon church being true. And here Trey presents the horns of the dilemma on which polygamy deniers such as Ms. Stone have placed themselves if they continue to believe that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy, but they also believe that the current church is still true. Another poster, TXCIN says, even if polygamy was not true doctrine and he, Joseph, did not cheat on Emma, Joseph was lying about seeing treasure and then said he could translate. He was found guilty of money digging, and it has been proven he could not translate Egyptian. So I think this commenter is saying, so what if he wasn't lying about polygamy? He was lying about all this other stuff. Doesn't that mean anything when it comes to evaluating whether Joseph Smith was a prophet of God? A poster named Prophet Central says, I thought about listening to his video. That must be my video. I thought about listening to RFM's video, and I have to say that you have made quite a wave in this world. Or in his world. For someone like him to dedicate multiple hours, well, if you're gonna say hours, I think by definition it's gonna be multiple, but regardless, going on, for someone like him to dedicate multiple hours to throwing dirt on you is quite an accomplishment. You see, he hasn't even listened to my video, and yet he already knows that I'm throwing dirt on Ms. Stone. If he were to go back and listen to it, he would find no dirt and just facts. The more he feels the need to defend his stance, the more sandy his foundation gets. Well, of course, that applies only to me, and it would never apply to Miss Stone. Truth, he goes on, truth doesn't need to be defended. So if that's true, why is Ms. Stone defending it? I don't understand. A lot of these arguments go only one way. They have a big one-way street sign attached to them. And these arguments go only one way, and they're never applied the other way. And Profit Central is doing that in spades with pretty much every single sentence in this comment truth doesn't need to be defended I just worry that by doing a short response her six minute response I just worry that by doing a short response saying that you are not responding is going the opposite direction that you want to just move forward and let the blind lead the blind and the dead bury their dead so that's prophet central's comment Antone says please list the things he got wrong I think that's a great comment and Antone is not the only person to post that comment under the six-minute response that Ms. Stone did to my podcast. She says over and over that I got things wrong, that I'm either being dishonest in the way I'm representing her arguments, or I legitimately did not understand what it was she was saying. But she never says what it is that I got wrong, so Anton is just saying, please, list the things he got wrong. It's a reasonable request. Cody comes in in response to that and says, she did, that list is quite short. This next commenter has a strange name, L-S-C-H-Y-R-O-M-Y-S, but this commenter says, RFM addressed some of the inconsistencies I noticed in your podcast, particularly the disparity between how you treat Joseph and Brigham, the lack of Brigham's polygamous children in Nauvoo when you make a big deal about Joseph not having any, how you believe what John C. Bennett said about Brigham, but not Joseph, etc., You also haven't addressed all the evidence that the content of DNC 132 was leaking out in Nauvoo and clearly being attributed to Joseph. RFM may have misrepresented you in some way, but I would want to hear specifics. On most of his points, he played the audio of your arguments. Thank you for making that comment. Yeah, I'm not just sitting there saying she said this. I am playing her audio. I am playing her words. I'm not just making up arguments and then attributing them to her I am letting her give her arguments in her own words, which makes it difficult to understand how she can say that I'm intentionally misrepresenting her arguments when I'm playing her own words, making those arguments. This commenter goes on. On most of his points, he played the audio of your arguments. One thing RFM didn't address has to do with the possible tampering of documents by Brigham and other church leaders. I would expect that, i.e. the tampering, whether Joseph taught practice polygamy or not. They could be falsely attributing things to Joseph. But if Joseph taught them polygamy privately, and that was being challenged by Joseph III and the RLDS, then naturally they would present and even exaggerate or make up evidence to defend Joseph's part in it. Joseph left them in an awkward position with his public denials, whether they were sincere or not, so I don't think this evidence favors either theory. Thank you for that comment. Prez, the polygamy denier, comes in with another comment. Now, this is very interesting because once again we get insight into the conspiracy theorist mindset. Thank you, Prez. Here we go. The devil is going to make the hate stronger and stronger. So don't give up. He gives these words of encouragement to Ms. Stone. The devil is going to make the hate stronger and stronger. You're doing the Lord's work. And one day the world will see it and regret the things they've said about you as well as Joseph. So this is not a religious belief at all. It's just a strictly historical position. The haters will always come up with something distasteful to say or simply insinuate you've been duped but your supporters know just how deep you've dug to bring these things to light. And we know your journey, you've had to go on to get to this level of confidence that Joseph was not a polygamist. Tell those haters, you've got 200 hours of content they need to watch before they say you've been duped. Yeah, this is another common tactic. you got 200 hours, you got to go listen to it all before you can have an opinion on the subject. That would be like me saying, I've got 286 episodes of Radio Free Mormon and 135 episodes of Mormonism Live, and you've got to go back and listen to all of it before you can have a discussion with me. That's BS. Okay, going on. The devil, wow, there's a lot of devil in this comment. The devil is the master of all lies, but the Lord will always shine the light on them in the end. And if we continue to do the Lord's work, he will make sure we are able to accomplish it. I will go and do the things the Lord commands. By the way, each and every one of these sentences has an exclamation point at the end of it. We will go and do the things the Lord commands. I know that he will find a way. He wants me to obey. You're ahead of so many others on this issue, and I'm happy that you are because not many people could do it the way you do. Well, I I think we're in agreement on that. Thank you once again. P.S. I just went and defended you on almost every comment on his video. So yeah, Prez has been showing up on my video comment sections as well. And of course, he's welcome to express his opinion there. Most of those people are just flat full of hate and intentional ignorance. So don't let their hateful speech get to you. Okay, so here's the reasons you don't have to listen to the alternative viewpoint according to Prez. Number one, the devil. Number two, hate, and number three, intentional ignorance. Those are the three reasons you don't have to deal with the evidence from the other side. Thanks for making that point, prez. Cody comes in again and says, the difference in quality between Michelle's and RFM's arguments is so obvious, hers is horrible. No, that's actually what he wrote. Hers is horrible. Having listened to both address this topic, it's painful to listen to her trying to produce evidence on the matter and evidence is in quotation marks. And seeing the blindness in most of these comments demonstrates how once people have a belief, no amount of sound argument and actual evidence will persuade them otherwise. Robin comes in and says, would you expect anything different from RFM? He be cray cray. So So now I'm cray cray. So why should you listen to anything I say? I'm crazy. Another great example of the ad hominem argument well said good head fred that's a long name says okay but you need to be specific to miss stone you need to be specific instead of blanket statementing everything as he misrepresented stuff without going into details you sound like a rambling nonsense spouter in this video hold yourself accountable to actually being specific and not wasting people's time with rambling we want you to defend yourself through bringing up the actual erroneous thinking he did and then correct him. Don't just spout off blah, 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 he misrepresented me without giving detail. It's annoying to do that. Stephen Retz says, RFM scholarship has been weakening through the years. So even though apparently my scholarship was really strong at one point, it's getting weaker. And what I intuit from that is that Stephen Retz has been hearing me say things in the past that he agrees with, i.e. my scholarship was strong, to now I'm saying things that he disagrees with, therefore my scholarship is getting weaker. Well, it's the same person, I'm using the same scholarship, I'm using the same tools, I'm using the same methods of analysis that I have used from the beginning, and if those same methods and tools are now being used to a subject that you have a belief in that's counter to the evidence and what I'm presenting, then maybe, just maybe you should think that my conclusions in this area that you disagree with me on may be just as sound as the conclusions that I've reached in other areas that you do agree with me on just an idea. Give it some thought. KSA Stamps comes in again. She says, my honest reaction is that this was the best episode RFM has done so far. So we've got the whole gamut here. We got people saying this is the worst episode I've ever done. Other people saying this is the best episode I've ever done. KSA Stamps, Thinks this is the best he really took you to the woodshed tonight so a direct comment to miss stone I think the best interpretation of all the evidence surrounding this is that Joseph Smith is the originator of section 132 and initiated plural marriage as a secret practice carefully regulated by him to a narrow set of insiders and that he publicly lied about this knowing full well the consequences if this were exposed the exposure of this practice by the expositor did in fact lead to his death Death. Brigham Young, Heber Kimball, and about 15 others were part of the secret holy quorum of the anointed, those who'd received their second anointing, the insider group, which were nearly all practicing plural marriage, secretly, in Nauvoo. To me, RFM is trying to base his conclusions on what the evidence actually shows. I don't think he is intentionally distorting your arguments. I am still active LDS. But frankly, this attempt to try to save Joseph Smith at all costs, and despite substantial and contradictory evidence, is getting tiresome. Whenever someone challenges your conclusions, Ms. Stone, and seems to be doing it with the actual contemporary evidence we have on this, you and others such as Midnight Mormons and Jacob Hansen immediately begin to accuse the other side with deliberate distortion of your arguments or that you are being unfairly attacked personally. This is a very unfair argumentation and really underscores the weakness of your position on this subject. Now, Valentine comes in and says, I just listened to it, by which I think she means my podcast. I just listened to it. It was great. He clearly shined the light on conspiracy theorists like yourself. He also destroyed your arguments, especially the Melissa Lott Bible case. He did so in an easy to understand, humorous manner. I'm sorry, you've been duped by a convicted con man. Paul comes in and says to Miss Stone, you got absolutely dropped. I am a Catholic, so actually, no dog in this fight. Your approach on the family Bible was so brutal. Why not just tell Joseph he doesn't control you anymore? By the way, your frantic hysteria says all anybody needs to know about how clearly RFM showed what you're doing and going through for what it is. It's so sad. Mosiah says... You could simply point out where RFM was wrong in his response. Instead, you're reacting as people do when they have no effective rebuttal. Okay, another good comment directed to Ms. Stone. And then there were some comments made on my Facebook page where I posted Ms. Stone's six-minute rebuttal. Trisha Jesse says, I'm friends with Radio Free Mormon too. I just don't have the same Views. Now, this is one of the most important comments. It's very brief, but it's very important what Trisha Jesse says. I'm friends with Radio Free Mormon too. I just don't have the same views. Can't we just be friends and have different views? Why is it that if we have a different view on a subject, that something is written somewhere where we have to insult each other and be enemies? I am friends with Rock. Waterman, Rock Waterman, believes that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. We've talked about it on the phone, but it doesn't mean that we're not friends anymore. We just accept that we have different positions on the issue. On top of that, I'm friends with Denver Snuffer, and Denver Snuffer has staked out a position that he believes that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy. At least I believe that's the case. From what I've seen, that is the case, that he has that position. But we're friends. We talk on the phone every now and again. In fact, Denver Snuffer called up to invite me out to dinner on Friday, the last Friday of July, because I'm going to be down in Utah attending Sunstone. So we are very much friends, even though we have different opinions on the issue. And I think that what Trish Jesse says here, and what is further illustrated by my relationships with Rock Waterman and Denver Snuffer, could be and hopefully would be a pattern for everybody. We can be friends. We can be civil. We don't have to be nasty or mean to other people just because we don't share the same opinions. Oh, and then Patrick Hall comes in on my Facebook page. Now, I don't know Patrick Hall, but I love him because he's here advocating not only for the theory that Joseph Smith did not practice polygamy, but he's also advocating for the position that the Apollo 11 moon landing was A hoax. He even links to a document on my Facebook page that begins with this paragraph. Here is just a teaser of proof that NASA is a globalist owned organization and has been a tool of deception since the beginning. I have been looking heavily into the moon landing event of 1969 and NASA in general, for several years. There's a lot of good evidence for these things. There are many solid cases of NASA faking things and lying. And then there's a whole list of a bunch of conspiracy theorist nonsense. So I'm happy to say that there are more polygamy deniers than one who also believe the moon landing was a hoax. There was Andre from three years ago, and now we have Patrick Hall from today. And I would honestly like to do a survey of all polygamy deniers, and just ask if they believe that the Apollo moon landing was a hoax. So we could see how many of those people share both of those conspiracy theorist positions. Swanee Speed comes in with a great comment. I have followed polygamy-denying groups and YouTube since the church admitted Joseph Smith's polygamy to the broader church membership. I refused to believe it in the beginning. Documents began to slowly see the light of day supporting polygamy in Joseph's time by Joseph. I should have just trusted the Tanners and Fawn Brody from day one. The arguments against Joseph's polygamy rely on the same excuses. Here's my top ten list. Blank. And by blank, she means you could insert the name of any person that you have to in order to argue your conspiracy theory position. So I'll just say so-and-so. So-and-so had it out for Joe. Number two, so-and-so wanted to control the church. Number three, so-and-so lied to harm the church. Number four, so-and-so lied to to justify their bad acts. Number five, so-and-so's journals can't be trusted because they are secondhand sources or late. Once again, Swanee Speed is giving her top 10 reasons that she hears from polygamy deniers to justify their positions. Number seven, so-and-so can't be trusted because they aren't a Mormon historian. Number eight, so-and-so can't be trusted because they are a Mormon historian. Number nine, so-and-so forged that because it's not Joseph handwriting. And number 10, my new all-time favorite, Radio Free Mormon is the new pro-Joseph Smith's polygamy prophet, and they believe anything he says. So that's a great list from Swanee Speed synopsizing all of the arguments that are used by polygamy deniers in order to support their position by avoiding and waving away the facts. And then Michelle Stone makes an appearance on my Facebook page to make a comment in response to Paul Rodriguez. Here's what Michelle says. It's easy to claim I didn't provide any factual historical evidence. Okay, so Paul had said that Michelle or Miss Stone did not provide any factual evidence in her response to me, and indeed she didn't. But here's what Michelle says in response to him. It's easy to claim I didn't provide any factual historical evidence when RFM intentionally omits the evidence I provided, misrepresents my arguments, and refuses to respond honestly to the actual points I made and evidence I shared. I hope people will watch what I actually said. And I do too. That's why I played so much of it. I hope people will watch what I actually said. And by the way, I didn't just play it. I also said multiple times that I want people to go and listen to her her whole podcast. And I gave them the name of the podcast and her name. I hope people will watch what I actually said, not RFM's dishonest misrepresentation. Now, that's two negatives there. I'm not sure if a dishonest misrepresentation ends up being an honest representation, but I'm pretty sure that's not the way she means it. I think she means it's both dishonest and a misrepresentation. And she goes on, and I hope people who watch both are bright enough to see what this really is. See, if you disagree with her, you're dumb. If you agree with her, then you're bright enough. If you are confused about any of my actual points or can't see how dishonest and inaccurate RFM is in this video, I will be happy to answer questions and clarify points on my video. I am extremely hesitant to engage at all here and will likely not engage further. But she did come to my Facebook page and make that comment. And by the way, that comment is still up today because I'm not going to take it down. I want her to be able to express her opinion and I want people to be able to read what she has to say and compare it with what I have to say and what Bill Real has to say so they can make their own informed decisions i am not about suppressing alternate views but paul then responds to ms stone by saying michelle brady stone well you have made an accusation that is defamatory and he should call you to the carpet and debate you publicly and clear the air and Michelle Stone says, I'll be curious to see if that will happen. Well, once again, of course, it's defamatory, but I don't care. People defame me all the time. It goes with the territory. But certainly, I and Bill Real have the invitation open to debate Miss Stone publicly and clear the air. Miss Stone says, I'll be curious to see if that will happen. What's really going on behind the scenes is that she appears to be refusing to allow that to happen. So I will be curious as well to see if that will happen. Going on, Patrick Hall responds to Miss Stone and says, I'd be curious to know why your devoted followers also happen to be people who deny the moon landing. Does it concern you that the people who believe your fictional claims are completely unmoored from reality? Interesting question, though somewhat trenchantly put by Patrick Hall. I don't think Miss Stone ever got around to responding to that one. But Paul comes back in and says to Miss Stone, I listened to his podcast and he did ask people to listen to your podcast numerous times. How can you call him dishonest? Well, I don't think Miss Stone responds to that either. Now, Carol Willis comes in and says, you and RFM don't get it, do you? She's responding to somebody who supported RFM my position. You and RFM don't get it, do you? Don't you realize none other than the LDS Church itself made up the lie in the first place that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. Back then, it was to legitimize polygamy. Today, it is to legitimize the LDS Church and its claim to authority. The problem is, if it is shown that Mormon polygamy really was a product of Brigham Young, then Young is a fraud. And by extension, so is the LDS Church, since it claims its legitimacy and. authority through Brigham Young. The whole house of cards then falls. They have motive to double down on their original lie instead of be honest and tell the truth for a change. So those are some of the comments from my Facebook page where I posted my rebuttal. But I also posted on my Facebook page the six-minute response that Michelle Stone did. There were a couple of comments there I wanted to bring up. Amy Hepworth Green says, she, Ms. Stone, comes off as a frantic personality who is bursting at the seams with anxiety. All I heard from her was word salad on high-speed chop setting. I hope she is okay. Randall Hahn quotes Carl Sagan as saying this, One of the saddest lessons of history is this. If we've been bamboozled long enough, we tend to reject any evidence of the bamboozle. We're no longer interested in finding out the truth. The bamboozle has captured us. It's simply too painful to acknowledge, even to ourselves, that we've been taken. Once you give a charlatan power over you, you almost never get it back. Excellent quote from Carl Sagan. Abram Randall Farr writes, In my opinion, she's not going to change her mind if Moroni stood in front of her and said Joseph Smith practiced polygamy. But I think the episode RFM did was a fascinating insight into the astonishing lengths a conspiracy theorist would go to to try to prove something didn't happen that has compelling evidence that it did happen. Scott Weed says, That's what you get for watching her original video three times, RFM. Maybe a fourth view would have made her happy. Or maybe... Even she doesn't understand her own arguments. Trevor says, well, if she is interested in having an honest and open dialogue, then maybe RFM you should extend an invitation to her to be on Mormonism Live and discuss this issue in real time instead of response videos Back and forth. Yes, that's what I would prefer. That's what Bill Real would prefer. It seems that Ms. Stone does not prefer that, and neither do the other two people who are polygamy deniers. And I think they're associated with a podcast called Hemlock Knots that Bill Real's been in contact with. It doesn't sound like they want to come on the show to talk about the subject either. Make of that what you will. Ruskov says Most historians now believe and present evidence that Smith was a polygamist. Even the church itself states his number of wives is 30 to 40. You have to be willfully blind to these facts. She, Ms. Stone, apparently is. And finally, Catherine says, Yeah, if you were misrepresenting her statements, RFM, if you were misrepresenting her statements and reasonings, then why would you tell people to go back and listen to her podcast to hear the missed material? But taking things personally is one way to create loyalty in one's viewership. Now, that's an interesting observation that taking things personally is one way to create loyalty in one's viewership. I don't know if Ms. Stone's taking this personally, which she obviously is, and other polygamy deniers who are making comments throughout, and I've read a lot of them, they're taking it personally is a way to create loyalty, but it's certainly, definitely a way to avoid dealing with the evidence. Well, those are some of the comments that have been going on in this recent situation where Bill Real and I are presenting the evidence. That shows that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy and also presenting evidence that shows that the polygamy deniers do not really seem to have much of a leg to stand on. It is not something that has happened, to my knowledge, at least not in recent memory, where this kind of public discourse is taking place. And I think it's a very important moment in LDS history regarding this subject. And I think the fact that the polygamy deniers do not want to come on a public show and discuss the issue says a lot not only about the strength of their position, but their own perception of the strength of their position. Because it sounds to me like they know their position is weak and they don't want to be put in a position where they can be addressing other people who can push back on their position and show how weak it is. Well, this was a lot of fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you. I don't know where this discussion is going to go, but believe me, if Ms. Stone and the people at Hemlock Knots want to come on Mormonism Live to have a public discussion about this issue, we will make the time available to them. That is my promise to you. So, that's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.